0: Today on The Psychic Jam, we'll be talking about assisted suicides, the clients who are looking for permission to die.
1: You are listening to The Psychic Jam, a podcast that inspires holisticpreneurs like you to gain confidence, to learn, and to listen to your inner voice. Tune in as featured experts of The Psychic Associates discuss heavy and taboo topics, breaking down all the barriers of the realities of working in this industry.
0: Welcome here today. My name is Jay Lane, and I am here with my colleagues, Amber Price and Liz Thropp. And today, we're going to be talking about assisted suicides and clients who are looking for permission to die. And Liz, I know that you've had a very personal experience with something of this nature that you had shared with us at one time. And I thought it would be so awesome if you could tell people about it, because... The thing is, you know, we talked about the blame game, and it's it's kind of interesting on how you broach this topic. So I'm going to let you start with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jay. It's one that's kind of um, close to my heart. I had a, a dear, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine um, pass away from cancer, and I was blessed enough to be on the journey with her, and it was a very quick, um, from diagnosis to death, was about a a week and sorry, a month and two weeks. And they had originally given her a year. So you can imagine it kind of, it it was very fast tracked. And so everybody starting out on the journey was in the awareness that they had a year or more, right? That's how one thinks. And when it started to decline very rapidly, um, we had, myself and her had a lot of time alone where we discussed death and what that looked like and what it would look like for her family on the other side of her no longer being here. And the grappling with, I don't think I'm going to last the year. I don't think I'm going to make it. And I don't want to get to a point where I'm in so much pain that I I can't live like that. And also I don't want to be a burden to my family. These were all things that we discussed at great length. And I'm sure those of you that have experienced uh, that are listening, you know, uh, anybody or any family member or friend that's been dying uh, of a a terminal illness can attest to the fact that it, it can be very overwhelming um, as the person who's quite healthy sitting there and trying to maintain a level of hope because you never want to take somebody's hope away. But where I was coming from, you know, ladies, and you can attest to this, a level of awareness that there was no hope. You know, yeah. I knew that we, we were on very borrowed time. And so I, I decided early on that, that we would have these candid conversations. And I encouraged her to have these conversations with her family. And she didn't want to. She didn't want to freak them out because she didn't want them to think that she wasn't going to try to survive, but she still knew. And this was part of the challenge that I had to maintain this level. Now the blame game comes in to affect when at the end of the journey, you know, more often than not, people who are terminal when they get to that point their body has wasted away to very, almost nothing. Um, the person is in chronic pain and nothing is satisfying the person. They can't eat, they can't drink. It is, it is just a, a, it's just an awful state to be in. So they will often ask for something. And this is discussed with the family members and the nurse the the attending nurse that if the pain gets too much you can sort of administer too much if you know what i mean wink wink nudge nudge is the the way it kind of played out i happen to be present at it and that's a huge responsibility for a family member to make that call they don't want to ever believe that that person is going and they're, they're in such denial around this. And so when they see, they get to that point and that person that is dying says, please, they had, she had actually had made a pact with her partner, you know, weeks prior to this, that if it gets to this point, you need to help me, you need to help me. And ultimately the family, couldn't tolerate the fact because they were looking at the ledgers and they saw that extra drugs were given. And this made them feel like somebody was trying to get rid of her, if that makes sense. And that was never the case. And it was such a hard decision to make. And, you know, it, it played, it played on a lot of people, um, you know, close to this, to this lady, uh, on so many different levels. And we have to understand that the grieving process is so raw in that moment anyway and we're looking for fit, we're looking to blame we're looking to have reason to be angry like we're looking we need validation for our anger for our resentment for our sadness so if you're somebody out there listening to this and you've experienced something similar to this you're supposed to hear this you're supposed to hear this because this was never something that anybody took lightly trust me when i tell you nobody takes this kind of stuff lightly. and you know unless you have somebody who's a you know a masochist and and doing doing harm and you have awareness of that and that's a different story but i think for the most part you know what i'm talking about here guys um the 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 whole idea of um assisted suicide came into canada and i know. Amber, you had um, worked in palliative care during that, that beginning of that. And to me, like, this is such a beautiful thing for people with terminal illness. I I, I can't even imagine having to make such a decision, but can you share your experience there, Amber?
2: Yeah. Thank you. You know, I did. I, I yes, you're right. I was working in palliative care around the time where assisted suicide laws were being passed and brought in and, You know, working in healthcare, there was quite the buzz around, you know, us in the healthcare industry about, you know, how does this play out? What are the family dynamics going to be? What does this do to this person? Then the whole what if, like, what if we do this too soon and there is hope that something's going to fix or, um, you know, there's, this is one that kept coming up. Like, there are people finding cures to things every single minute of every single day across the world. So what if you're like minutes behind a cure to what it is that you have? Like, who are we to play God? Who are we to do all of these things? And so from our perspective, it was about, are we murderers? Like, is this murder?
1: That's very because, fair. That's right? a very fair comment. Never thought of it from that perspective.
2: Yes, and, and being in healthcare, we, we, that's the flip side, right? So it's, it's, we have the, okay, we have compassion and understand. And from such a, a you know, <laughs> educated perspective, of here's what is technically going to happen. So when doctors can say, you know, a lot of doctors won't say what they think someone's lifespan may be. And then there's other doctors that think, okay, based on all the people that have had this and based on all the information that you're showing your body and the tests are showing me, you know, anywhere from, you know, this point to that point in terms of a time frame. And so we have that perspective of like the compassion of there's, you know, there is that education that says, here's the history of all the people before here's there's there may be nothing that can be done. But then we also have the hope of wanting to heal people and think, hey, there's there's, you know, great advances in healthcare in the medical industry at all times. And what if, what if, what if? But I think the thing that kind of helped in terms of for for other healthcare workers that were around me that were more connected to having to deal with that, you know, I could be the one that's on call the day that this happens, like, you know, those types of healthcare workers. It was about coming. To terms and literally saying to me like I'm having a come to Jesus moment because I am so sickened by the idea that I might be there to to contribute to this and it was no not any like religious beliefs that this person or these people had had it was more about like what is going to happen to our soul like wh- what part are we playing in this is this something that we could prevent so from that perspective it kind of it really. it it was a very very big tug of war as you can imagine like we want these people to be healed that may not happen at this point so we want them to be humanely helped in the way that they're requesting and honoring their judgment and they don't just let anybody decide you have to be of sound mind to be able to decide to do this and that's the other part of it right is they they just don't pass out you know like yes check mark check mark check mark you're all approved you have to go through a very 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 vetted process to be able to get to that point like we're talking a huge process and people have to vouch and everybody has to be on board the whole healthcare team the family the the whole support system so that is more i guess from my perspective of what happens to the person who's contributing to it what happens and and you know from a psychic perspective no it's not murder Because there's that awareness from the soul who's asking for this to be done. There is that awareness. And everybody involved in this is honoring that person's will to do so. That person's will to go through the process of being able to get to that point. I'm talking about medically assisted suicide in this point where we do have a process in place. There are other things that I have come across in my in in my lifetime where someone, a family member, would want to assist somebody to commit suicide because they believed that between the two of them, this was the right thing to do. So again, processes and policies don't exchange what you're doing with your soul. Um, but it was a hard time. Like it still is a hard time for people to decide you know, and forget about that. Even like if somebody is, is thriving and then they, and then they die, like that's hard enough from a healthcare perspective, the healthcare workers perspective of trying to deal with like, could I have done more? Could I have changed it? Like they were trained to want to do the good and help and do no harm. Right. So that, I think I just wanted to make sure to say, it, it's it's more deepened in terms of the contract of the soul from the person who's choosing to do so, and then you being present for it doesn't mean that you are committing murder. But I could understand that thought process. I understand and empathize with that. Um, it creates a lot of thoughts of wonder and you know even regret. And sometimes, sometimes I have been witness where it is such a peaceful thing that after this was done um the process had taken place there was a sense of peace that came over the entire room and everybody in it it's a very spiritual thing if you've ever been with somebody when they have physically left their body um i've Amen. been with so many people when they passed away it was such my honor and privilege i really was everybody wants to be with someone when they are born and not a lot of people want to be with them as they're taking their last breath so i took that to heart and was, was completely honored by each and every person that I was with. But there is something spiritual that happens to that soul. I mean, they could be completely unconscious and unresponsive that entire time, like weeks or months or something, even days, hours, whatever. And then it's the weirdest thing. They, it's like every single person I was with opened their eyes a second before they took their last breath. And every single person in the room knew that was the last breath without even knowing if another one was coming. Like, how do we innately know those things? Yeah. And just getting chills, just talking about it because man, it's all these souls together coming to support this message today for, for, for all of us. But for me, all the souls that I've been part of and all the souls that I'm hearing from are all saying the same thing. If you're someone who has to be in that position, your soul is not in any danger of being placed in the same category as a murderer or somebody who does harm.
0: That's right. That's so interesting, Amber, because you know, my father passed away almost 40 years ago. My father was on a respirator for the last week of his life. And the thing is there was no more brain activity. So he's brain dead. But of course, I was the one who had to make the decision to unplunk him. So the thing is, on that perspective, we also, as just like regular people. I really thought I was ending my, my father's life. And the yeah. doctor had to explain to me that I was really freeing him. And that essentially I was just prolonging his suffering by, by letting him just lay there. And so it was a difficult decision, but I also had an uncle of mine who was extremely angry that I made that decision. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it didn't take very long for my father to pass. It took just moments But the thing is, I felt really like I had freedom at that point, because my father really didn't want to live that kind of existence. Mm -hmm. And it comes to saying when people come to see me for readings and feel guilty about ordering, like Liz said, you know, that last shot, and then always somebody to blame somebody else, because it's easier to be angry than to grieve. So I totally agree with you there, Liz. Mm -hmm. In terms of You know, my own experiences, though, I've had a lot of people that come to see me because I talk a lot about death in some of my blogs and they come to see me because they want permission to die. Or I'll get emails of people asking me, is it okay if I die because I've read in some of your blogs or some of your material online that you feel it's a broken agreement. And I do, in a sense, feel that way for suicides, that are really senseless or really shouldn't have happened. You know, someone young that still has a great life ahead of them. But unfortunately, you know, so many people are suffering out there and they feel that it's the only way out. But for assisted suicide, I feel that it's a little bit different. I don't feel that it's a broken agreement. And the only reason I feel like that is because you're already on your path to that death. And when you're applying for this um, assisted death it's a huge process, like you've mentioned, Amber, and everybody has to be on board. But you have to have the medical evidence to support the fact that you're on your way out. Because if you don't, they're not just going to give the permission for anyone to get euthanized, just because you don't feel like living here anymore. And that you don't have the maybe the, the guts to do it yourself. Isn't that terrible to say, but it's just a, a matter of conversation. So at the end of it, of it all, when people want to you know, commit that assisted suicide, I always, you know, really listen to what they have to say. And most of these people tell me the same thing. I'm in a lot of pain. I can't handle this anymore, but I can't handle what it's doing to my family. And I want to celebrate my death while I still have an awareness and my mind about me. And I want the dignity of my death. And so that's why I'm looking to die. Is that okay, Jay? And of course it's okay, because the thing is, we have five exits in this lifetime, and I believe that these are pre-planned somehow. So the thing is, if you know that you're going to pass of a disease and you only have days or weeks left, I don't think it's a really big crime to apply for, for this type of thing. If anything, you're setting yourself free. So you know, I'm not encouraging everybody to go rush and and apply. But the thing is, if someone is at that point in their life where there's so much suffering, or even those around them, you know, suffering, I really don't feel that it's a broken agreement. I feel that that soul will be saved immediately. I believe that that person will cross directly from this dimension to the next. And I believe that will relieve their suffering and as difficult as it is i've had some family members um, that have gone through assisted suicides and they'll come back and they say you know i feel so much better that they we celebrated we had a great big party to wait the day that happened they were slated to die at two o'clock but it took almost an hour but we sat there and we sang songs and we celebrated And the thing is, I love that, because it shows that there's such an acceptance. It's not like someone not wanting to accept their death, they're on their deathbed, and everybody's crying around them. You're still going to cry and grieve, of course, because you're losing someone so special. But I guess my point is, is that there's more of a celebration and more of an acceptance. And it's perhaps easier for those to heal around when they do make this decision to go through with it and there's like a consensus to agree to it. I, I do believe that it gives the relief um, to the family and it makes people heal a little bit quicker and they don't feel as you know terrible about ordering that, you know, last shot, let's say, as we say. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, and and you know, palliative care is is interesting too, Amber. I've I've had to witness a lot of people die as well, but I understand exactly what you were saying about you know, that release and And it is quite beautiful. And death is seen as such a negative thing. But really, we're all going back home. It's really not that terrible. And so when the spirit is gone, there is such a relief. And I understand that spiritual experience is actually
1: beautiful. It Mm -hmm. really is.
0: It really is. Actually,
1: the whole journey is, I mean, in the moment, I can honestly say it was probably the most trying time of my life. Yes. Because I was in fear. I was in overwhelm. I was in grief. So I was experiencing all of the above. But as I look back on the journey now, I was able to have the most profound conversations, truthful conversations about death, the expectations of death, what was going to be like on the other side. Having that experience with somebody is so beautiful and so profound and I wouldn't change it for the world because I got to let her know just how much I loved her. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you, you know, a lot of people are afraid of connecting with people when they're dying because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing or afraid of, you know, what it's going to be like. And, and then they feel guilty. I've had so many clients come through that felt guilt and remorse for not being more present for a parent or a sibling or a friend that was dying. And I can tell you, you have to step beyond your fears. It's the most enlightening experience I've ever had. I, I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I just wouldn't.
0: That's amazing. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I know how close, you know, just, just, I can hear the passion in your voice, you know, with what you're saying, but it's true, it's it's so hard to, to you know give permission to people to die as well. I mean, you know, some people don't want to let go, and that has been difficult as well. Some people get mad and they say, Well, I didn't want to tell my husband to die because I didn't want him to go and I wanted him to stay, and he died anyways, and now I'm upset. So you get all kinds of different things where some people don't feel that the death was pretty, some are difficult. But the thing is that relief when the soul goes through, I think it's just For me, anyways, I just I feel so good about it when it goes through because I know it's released from all of its human pain at this side of the fence. You know, that was a great conversation. Thank you so much for for, you know, discussing this is a topic that's really close to my heart. But for those of you listening out there, if you're having some struggles around some of these issues, if you want a little bit more information on on how you can help avert you know, some of these difficulties in your practice, we would be so happy to help out. We are the Psychic Associates at www.thepsychicassociates.com. Come and check us out. Thank you so much, ladies. Till next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.